If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you've joined us today. Today, I'm tackling this whole idea of how does a good God allow bad things to happen to us? And can we even hold the idea of God being good and God being in control at the same time? How do we map out that tension? I get pretty raw and pretty um, fired up in this episode, and so I'm glad you tuned in. I believe this episode will bring a lot of clarity, a lot of peace, and hopefully alleviate a lot of that tension. So before we dive into the episode, I have to recognize a new Patreon supporter that we have that signed up this week. Oh my goodness. I was so excited to see that this person has now joined to support this podcast monthly, Robert Arnau. And I got to say, I'm really insecure about the way I'm pronouncing your last name. I hope I said it the right way. It's like the coolest name to look at on paper, but I have no idea if I'm saying it right. So please forgive me if I said it incorrectly. But Robert, you are my hero this week. He has signed up to support us monthly, and it just means the world to me that you believe in what we're doing here, that you support the work that's happening here and the connection that's happening here in this community. So Robert, thank you. If you guys believe in the work here, I encourage you to go to my website, justajesusfollower.com, click on the Patreon button, and there's a list of ways that you can support this show. I also have to say that the Facebook group is live and booming and thriving, and this community is one that I am so thankful for and am treasuring and amazed I get to be a part of. I'm just so excited to get to know the people that are listening to this podcast and the stories that you guys have and the insight that you have and the conversations that you guys share and the way you encourage each other has just been a joy to be a part of. So if you've not joined in this Facebook group, I personally am inviting you to join in. I'm in there about Gosh, at least once a day, I think. Maybe I miss a few here and there, but I'm in there pretty often. And so I really, really love getting to connect with you guys that way. So if you're not in, you're totally invited to be in. You can opt in on my website, just at jesusfollower.com backslash podcast backslash podcast group. I love you guys. I love the community we have here. And I love the safety that we have here to talk about some of this hard stuff. And today's podcast is definitely not shy of that. So without any further ado, here we go. talking 
about a subject that can be kind of touchy, that can be kind of um, hard to go about because it usually is one that's brought up in the midst of pain and heartache and trauma and all of the yucky life stuff that we go through. I want to be sensitive to this because I know a lot of you are going through stuff and I have gone and am still going through stuff. Everyone's life has moments when we hit roadblocks, when we hit speed bumps, when we hit things that slow us down and cause us to question, cause us to feel fear, cause us to scratch our heads and go, okay, God, what the heck is this, right? One of the things that I have heard people say in the midst of hard stuff And it's usually meant in good faith. It's usually meant from a kind, hopeful, encouraging place. I don't want to dismiss that. But it's this phrase that says, well, don't don't be afraid. Don't worry because God's got this. God's in control. I think all of us have heard that. And if we haven't heard it, we may have even said it. You know, this is a phrase that is very common and can be very encouraging during times of pain and hardship. But I I take issue with this phrase and I want to dig into that today because I think that when people are going through pain, when people are going through hard things, we have to be so mindful of the things that we say and of the picture we're painting of the divine. So this phrase, when it said, God is in control, just, just relax and and take courage and, and take faith and comfort in the fact that God is good and he's in control. That's where I want to start because I don't believe you can say both of those things at the same time, that God is good And God is in control. Now, if you're totally like having anxiety and freaking out because I just jolted your theology, hang with me because I think actually you will, you're going to find comfort and peace in what we're talking about here. It does make us feel good to believe that there is a divine being, a God force, whatever terminology you're more comfortable with, that there is a, a light, good, loving being fighting the universe on your behalf. That makes us feel good. This is why so much of of us love the Jesus story, because in the Jesus story, we see that played out in real time on earth with this divine being interacting with mankind. And you see this force of good fighting for mankind, defending the outsider, loving the one where no one was showing up for them, right? We see him really be this force of good and love in the midst of some tricky situations. We love that about the Jesus story. So I think all of us take comfort and peace in believing that there is a force out there fighting for us. Now, I believe so much of that. So let me start there. I I believe so much of the God force being for you and for your peace and for your joy and your comfort. I don't dismiss any of that. I hold tightly to that. In fact, In this whole deconstruction journey on my own path, that is where I continue to land over and over again, is that this is the peace that I know. I know that God is good, and I know that he is for me. 
The part that I take issue with is the God being in control piece. So that's where I want to to dive into this because I think that this can cause a lot of confusion and a lot of of wrong thinking about God when we phrase it this way. And here's what I mean. If you say to someone that is a parent of of a child who's been a, a victim of rape, if you say to them in the midst of their grief and their pain and their wrestling and their anguish over what happened, that they can take comfort and courage in, in knowing that God is good and that God is in control. That parent will not sit well with that. Because if I'm to believe, if I'm that parent, if I'm to believe that God is good, that he is for me and for my family, and that he is in control, then that means that God allowed this to happen to my child. And therefore, God is no longer good. If you were to tell victims of the Holocaust that God was in control, I think many of them would take strong issue with that, that God allowed families to be burned horrifically, men, women, children. If you were to tell a spouse who just found out that their spouse was unfaithful and cheating on them, that God was in control of that situation, they may take issue with God in knowing that God would have allowed that to happen. You see, when we pair this idea of a divine outside thing being good and wanting what's good for us, and then we put all of the power in that being's hands and say that that God force that is supposedly good and love-based and wants good things for us is responsible for all the good and all the bad? Well, what are we supposed to do with that? That makes absolutely no sense. You know, in a simple, simplistic way of looking at this, we know this in relationships. You know, if I have a teacher who's teaching my child and they're rewarding them with treats and things throughout the week, I think they're for my kid. But then if I find out this teacher is purposefully not advancing my kid just because they don't like my child, well, I no longer think that teacher is good. That teacher's in control of the outcome of my child graduating out of that course or out of that class, but I'm no longer going to believe they're good. I'm going to take strong issue with them. I'm going to want to find my child a new teacher who is fair and just and is for my child's good all of the time, not just part of the time. So when we say to people in pain and people who have been victims of abusive things and hard things and traumatic things, when we say to them that God was in control of that, it's a misfire in your brain because it does not make sense. No good human being who wants your good would allow you to be tormented, would allow you to be raped or allow you to to go through the feeling of being cheated on or allow a family to be burned like they did in the Holocaust. Good people don't do those things. So why would we pin that on a quote unquote good God? It doesn't make sense. And so I'm I'm finding that when I hear this phrase, I, I get angry because it it makes me feel like you're pinning something on God that God was not in control of and never had control of. 
Now, this is where people get funky because they're like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? God is not in control? I don't know about that. You're freaking me out. Well, many of us have been taught our whole lives that God's in control. There is a lot of peace that comes with that when you're a child. Um, But as you get older, and I think we're seeing this in this generation coming up where what we're teaching in our churches in phrases like this, it's not making sense to them in the real world. It doesn't make sense to someone who sees their friends get shot at school that God is in control. I can promise you that. I can promise you they take large issue with that. And we're seeing a lot of young students rising up and asking for change because they're seeing the injustice of it. They're seeing, truthfully, the crap that a lot of people in authority are trying to tell them. And some of it comes from the church. Well, just be at peace. God is in control. Yeah, no, they're not buying that anymore. I'm not buying it anymore. And so you come to this place where you have to wrestle out, okay, well, if I believe that God is good, then I would believe that God is for me and God's not against me. So then what do I do with all of the crappy things that happen? What do, what do I do with that? Who's who's in charge then? Does God just like take a day off? Like, What's up with that? Well, interestingly enough, I did a quick study Um, just a reference keyword study in in the Bible about this idea of God being in control. And I'm going to tell you, I could not find really much in there that talks about God being in control, which is weird to me because I kind of thought for sure I'd find something because it's such a popular statement and so prevalent in mainstream Christianity. But uh, truth be told, guys, I didn't find much in there to support that. And so I'll tell you what I did find. Um, if Just for instance, and you can do this on your own, if you just type in a Google search, verses that say God is in control, most of the verses you're going to find are ones that are like this, like in Psalms 46, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Or this one in Isaiah 41, don't fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I love these verses. That famous one in Philippians 4, 6, I memorized this, by the way, in high school. Very proud of myself. It was written all over my mirror. This will give you a clue as to my mental state in high school. I was very anxious. (laughs) Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. All of these verses that you see talk about fear and anxiety and comfort and the idea of God being with you. They don't talk about this outside force of God being in control of the situation. The Bible supports the idea of God being with you through the pain, through the fire, through the torment through what we see with Jesus, through the crucifixion. We see the idea of God being with us and for us and helping us, but we don't see God controlling things. To me, this alleviates a lot of tension between the idea of how could a good God allow these bad things to happen? Because 
That's a fair question. It's a really fair question. One that should be asked, one that should be wrestled with. And do I believe that God is a powerful being that is more powerful than all of us? Totally. If you believe the creation story, then you believe that God had power to to create what we live in, what we breathe in, that God knit us in our mother's womb, right? We're talking about a very hands-on, powerful being. So if you believe all of that, if you believe in miracles, well, then yeah, all of us would say that God is powerful. But does that mean he has to control everything? One of my favorite things about healthy relationships is the ability to love someone with an open hand. As you all know, I've gone through two divorces and I have gone through changes in faith communities and changes in friend groups and all those hard things that involve relationships. I feel like I could be like an expert in by now. And one of the things I've learned is the power of open-handed friendship, of open-handed relationship, where you love without white knuckling. So often people who are fear-based, people who are living in a place of anxiety and fear, which I have been one of those people, our instinct is not to love with an open hand. Our instinct is to grip as tightly as we can. We control, we manipulate, we white knuckle, we choke the life out of the people we love because we love them so damn much. People who are afraid, that's how they usually hold relationships is tightly. And it was a really big revolution for me when I learned the damage of that, when I learned the power of loving with an open hand. And thank God I did before I had children. (laughs) Like, you know, I think a lot of people are very damaged by being overly loved and overly gripped by their parents. Um, It can produce a lot of yucky, yucky things. And so this idea of loving with an open hand, that's the way healthy relationships ebb and flow. I love you. You love me. Our hands are open, which means we're not controlling, manipulating, white-knuckling either one of us. We're allowing flexibility. We're allowing movement. We're allowing grace. We're allowing free thinking. We're allowing the other one to be independent from us. Those are the most healthy relationships. And when I finally understood that and finally began orchestrating my life around relationships that were healthy, that included this freeness, this open-handedness, oh my gosh, my life got so much better. Being in a marriage that is tightly wound or tightly controlling where one partner or both partners are living from a place of fear and white-knuckling each other is awful, is awful. And if any of you have been the child of a parent like that or a spouse of a partner like that or even been in relationship with a friend like that, oh my gosh, you totally are resonating with this because it sucks being on the other end of that. It's suffocating and it doesn't feel like love, right? Like when you feel like someone is trying to control you and manipulate you and and they just have a tight grip around everything you say or do or think. You don't feel loved. 
you feel like you want to get away. And so it's interesting to me that we don't recognize that in our relationship with God. If I buy into the idea that God is controlling in a sense that, don't worry, God's in control. Well, that would define God to be a controlling being, which means he's controlling everything happening. Well, that doesn't feel like love. It feels like manipulation. It feels suffocating. It doesn't feel safe. Although many people would say, well, no, it's it's a safe feeling knowing God is in control. Really? Do you feel safe when you feel like you're being controlled? Do you feel safe by your parents when you feel like they control you? Do you feel safe by your spouse if you feel like they don't trust you so much that they're controlling you? Do you feel safe in friendships where you can't breathe? No. Goodness, no. We feel safe when we feel trusted. We feel safe when we feel free. Those are the most loving, healthy relationships there are. And so when I started seeing that connection, it was very easy for me to let go of the idea of God being in control because it didn't match my experience with God. My experience with God has never felt control-based. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought into it. Truth be told, I would have run a thousand yards the opposite direction. I don't know if you guys have caught on to this. I kind of am a free-thinking being. (laughs) I like having my freedom. I like being able to be an independent soul. I came that way. Ask my mom and dad. They will confirm that to you. I came as a questioner, free-thinking, independent party. That's how I came. So the idea of a huge God force controlling every aspect of my life would have freaked me out. And so once I started deconstructing, if you will, that idea of God and reimagining that idea of God into a healthy relationship scenario, oh my gosh, it made so much more sense to me. My relationship with God, and I'm sure many of you would agree to this, when you connect with that divine being, whether you connect through nature, whether you connect through a worship service, whether you connect through silence and meditation, however you connect with God, I don't think any one of us would say we feel controlled in that moment. The reason those connections are so healing for us is because we feel the open-handedness to be free, because we feel the 100% acceptance, grace, and love for us no matter what we look like in that moment. Controlling relationships don't do that. They don't have room for that. They don't allow that. So it's not hard to make that connection that God has never white-knuckled or gripped people. He has trusted. He has loved us with an open hand. Which makes a lot of sense when you look at a lot of the crappy things we do to each other. Our life is filled with people who do bad things to other people. Hurt people hurt people. Broken people break other people. No matter how you phrase it, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. All of us have been a part of that cycle at some point in our life. And 
when you throw God into that mix and start trying to figure out why did God allow this to happen? God, why would you do this to me? It makes it so confusing. It makes it so hard to reconcile this good, loving, safe being that you know and have connected with to now this outside force that's allowing crap to happen to you. It's confusing. And it for a lot of people, it's what slams the door for them on that connection piece with the divine ever again. And I get it. If that's how you viewed God, I get it. But again, we've got to reframe the way we talk about God and the things that we pin on God because God is good and God is for us. End of story. So anything not good, anything not for you or for the people you love can't be from God. So does that mean God is not in control? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. I think God has purposefully allowed us to be free because that's what love does. And as every parent out there knows, letting your children go is hard because you have to watch them fall. You have to watch them make mistakes. You have to watch them experience pain. But as any good parent knows, what do we do when our kid falls and makes mistakes? We run to them, we pick them up and we hold them and we say, it's going to be okay. And so when I read these scriptures that talk about, don't fear because I am with you. Take courage. Don't be anxious about anything because the God of peace will guide you. It's describing a parent who knows how to let go and who knows how to rush in when we need him. It's showing that parent figure that can be there through it all and not judge and not condemn and not shame and not be there to blame either because they didn't do anything other than sit there and love you through it. For me personally, I like that. I like that imagery. I like that story. I like that because it connects, you know, a lot of side moment here. A lot of my deconstruction, as I've shared with you, has meant having to set the Bible down because I had been conditioned to read it in certain ways that weren't healthy. And so I have slowly reintegrated myself back into the text and back into scripture with a more healthy perspective and with a more clear view of it. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it. There are still many times I go, nope, not ready, putting it right back down. But it's moments like this that I'm able to reconnect with some of those verses that I grew up loving. You know, that that um, Philippians verse of don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I resonate with that. I resonate. Because when I feel anxious and when I feel fear, I know how to connect in a way that brings me a peace that doesn't make sense, that transcends all understanding, to put it in a biblical frame. I know that. I know that. That verse in Psalms, there's one in Psalms, Psalms 94, 19. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. I get this. This connects with me. I understand a God being who can sit with me through pain. 
I understand that. And, you know, we see this beautifully with the Jesus story. And again, I've said this before, when I had to let go of so much of what I had been taught, I started, when I went back to scripture, I started just in the gospels. I hovered there for a long time and just focused on the Jesus character and tried to make sense of that with what I had seen in religion and what I'd seen in church. And the Jesus story, it's so good because so much of what he did is so much of what I believe in. And so one of my favorite things um, about Jesus was how he sat with people in pain. You know, Jesus wept. He did. And he didn't just cry all by himself. He wept with people who were weeping. He grieved with people who were grieving. He wasn't domineering and controlling of the situation. He sat with them in their pain. I love that. We can take so much wisdom from that. It sounds so simple because a lot of mainstream church and mainstream Christianity feels this need to have to have an answer for everything. You know, they've got um, proof texts and and sermons to prove that they're right and books to to defend your position and your argument. And it's like, what if you don't have to have the answer? What if you just sat with people in their pain? I think it's that that fear of not being able to explain something and not being able to have an answer that drives people to say stuff like, well, don't worry, God's in control, even though there's really not a verse that says that. Um, instead of looking at the life of Jesus and seeing, gosh, how he didn't have to have an answer, he just had to be present. There's so much freedom in that for the person who's grieving and the person who's comforting because the person who's grieving doesn't want an answer. We may think we do when we're in the middle of trauma. We may think we want to know the whys and hows and what ifs, but truth be told, at the end of the day, we want someone to sit with us and just empathize and listen and feel and eat a gallon of ice cream with us. (laughs) That's what we want. That's what we really want. Want. We want to be seen in our pain. Jesus was a master of that. He sat still with people in their pain and he grieved and felt with them. I think that the world could look, especially in the Christian portion of it, so much different and so much better if we let go of having to have all the answers. And instead, we just learned how to sit and listen and feel. It takes a lot of pressure off of the one trying to comfort the other. When you're feeling, and I used to feel this way because I was taught, when people are broken, that's when they're the most susceptible to hear the gospel message. So make sure when people are hurting that you are ready with your track in hand to tell them the gospel message. Oh my gosh, it's a lot of pressure. And as someone who is naturally drawn towards hurting people and who this is where my giftings usually lie, if someone is hurting and in pain, I'm the one brought in. And there's a lot of pressure when you feel an expectation for like a salvation message in the midst of all that, for goodness sakes. It's a lot of pressure. So removing that pressure 
and saying, hey, you don't have to convince them of anything. You don't have to prove anything about God in this moment. You just get to be Jesus with skin on. That's it. You get to sit and cry and grieve with them. And you cannot find more sacred ground than that. There's a, this other perspective that I have to at least give a little bit of um, perspective on. It's the thought of, okay, well, I am understanding what you're saying about God not controlling and manipulating us. I'm following with that, Anna. But I believe that it's kind of a havesy thing. Like God isn't in control of the people who are outside of the will of God. He's just let them fall aside and their life can just go to hell, really, because they've stepped outside of the covering of the family of God. But for the people who are in God's family and are under the will of God, well, then God is in control. And so when bad things happen, God is testing them. He's testing their faith. And when good things happen, God is blessing them and rewarding them. Okay, that is sick. That is sick. And let me just break this down without getting too fired up about it because I, again, I want to be sensitive to this. I used to believe this. And it pains me to admit that because it it feels really warped right now. But I did. I used to believe this. And when you are in a group that is making you feel elite and special, it's a fun belief to have. If I know that, well, I'm okay because I said the right prayer, I'm a part of the right tribe, I'm in the right group, I am doing all the things that I'm supposed to do every day, well, I'm in God's favor. Uh That's that word. Well, you're in the favor of God, therefore God's in control of everything. And this is why you gotta tell people to get saved because if they're not saved, they're not in God's favor and who knows what could happen. So then what do you say to the people who are doing all the right things, believing all the right things, and their child dies? Where was God's favor then? And then you start spinning into this thing where people start questioning, well, maybe they had hidden sin. Well, maybe maybe they weren't really Christians. I mean, I mean the Bible says, you know, you just never know who's in and who's out. I mean, he may say, I don't know you, get away from me, right? Like we just get so warped in the way we view this, completely forgetting about someone's pain. We're so focused on who is in and who is out, who's under God's favor and who isn't. It's sick. And so do I believe that God favors some and not others? No, I don't. And I can tell you why I don't. I have my Bible to back me up on this. When Jesus walked the earth, He did not give special attention to anybody. And if he did, it was usually the people that were the most forgotten, the least of holy, the least favored, if you will. One of my favorite things about Paul's teachings was, hey, now that Jesus showed up, guess what? There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There's no male. There's no female. There's no slave. There's no free. We're all in. We're all equal. So from the moment Jesus stepped on and stepped on the planet and changed the trajectory of the way people viewed God and the way people viewed the way God interacted with mankind, we did away with this idea of God favoring certain people and not favoring others, i.e. Jews and Gentiles. Jews were the favored ones. They were the ones that God was blessing. 
The Gentiles were the ones that were going to hell quickly, not under God's favor. We still think this way. We've just modernized it into this idea of, well, since they go to my church and since they said the right prayer and since they're part of these right recovery groups and they're leading now and they're teaching now, they're doing their Bible study, their marriage is in order, their home is in order, their children are raising their hands in worship. Well, by God, they have the favor of God. Yeah, no. This is the best part of the gospel story, the part that frustrated the living daylights out of the people back in that time frame, the religious back then. It still will frustrate the people inside the religious mainstream Christianity group today. It's this wild idea that God doesn't play favorites. It's this revolutionary concept that we're all God's children. And just like any good parent who wouldn't pick off certain kids that did good and liked better and this one's in and this one's out and I'm going to bless this one but curse that one. Yeah, no. God doesn't work that way and he never has. People work that way. Still work that way. Jesus didn't. He made it his life's mission to try to undo that. So when we slip into this idea, and it's a backdoor thing that slips in. This is not ever really said as outspokenly as I have just said it. It's usually a backdoor slipped in idea that is slimy slimy and gross. This idea that, well, they're not under God's favor. That's why that happened. But you're under God's favor. So everything that happens, you can trust God was in control. No. No. Guess what? God has favor enough for all of us. God has gifts and goodness and blessings for all of us. Everybody. That was the whole point of what he came to do. You're all worthy of love. You're all worthy of acceptance. You're all worthy of blessings and favor. All of you. And so when we slip into that mind frame of trying to figure out who's under God's favor and who isn't and deciding that God's controlling the outcomes of these people, but not those people, we're slipping right back into the idea of Jews versus Gentiles. The same thing that God came to undo. The very same thing. So we have to be careful. We have to be really, really careful as to how much we allow ourselves to think that way. And I know old habits die hard. I get that. And I know there is some sort of weird comfort in thinking that you're favored and your neighbor isn't. But that's not the way of God. It's not the way that Jesus lived. And truthfully, I don't think any of us like a system where anybody is able to be picked off because it could be you next. So I'm going to land this plane here. You are favored. You're favored so much that God wants nothing but good things for you because God is good and he's for you. You're favored. You're enough. You're loved. And he wants nothing more than to bless you as much as he can because you're his child. You are a child of God.
And the freeing thing is that God does not control things. And we can take freedom and comfort and joy in knowing that we're all free. God loves us open-handedly. That does mean that some people can make some really, really bad decisions that affect you really badly. But the good news is that God is there for you through it. That God will walk through it with you. He will weep with you. He will grieve with you. That we're never alone. The beauty is, is that all of that goodness is not only for you, but it's for your neighbor too. And so when you see your neighbor in pain, when you see your neighbor hurting and grieving and experiencing the speed bumps and roadblocks of life, you get to be divine love to them. You get to sit in the muck with them and love them, knowing that they are just as favored as you, knowing that there is just as much God in them as you. I hope this brings some peace and encouragement and I love you and I love your journey and I love all of the things that God is doing in your life. And if there's any way I can be of encouragement to you, feel free to reach out. I'm an open book. I love connecting. I love walking with people through stuff. So reach out if you need to and know that you're not alone. Go in peace. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.